Interested in success? Welcome to the Shepherding Podcast, the show educating you on how today's leaders became leaders. If you want to move your career forward, follow along as CEOs, presidents, and other high achievers chronicle their path to success. Now, here's your host, Rob Norris. Rob Norris. Hey, good evening. This is Rob Norris. We are live from Union, Kentucky. I'm sitting in my basement tonight, and I have a very special guest that's joining us tonight. Uh, excited to have Shannon Oldfield, the Chief Operating Officer of what's known as CVG around here, but is the Kenton County Airport Board, or as we like to call it, the Cincinnati Airport. But I do want to give a little bit of a shout out to the Commonwealth, because the airport does reside in Northern Kentucky, if you don't know that. So if you fly in, you're joining us, and you're not quite in Ohio, but uh, off we go. So Shannon, welcome. Glad to have you here tonight. Looking forward to having some discussion. Rob, thank you for having me. I appreciate this time, and uh, also appreciate the shout out that, uh, you know, the Greater Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky International Airport is indeed in Kentucky. So thank you for mentioning that. No, I'm really happy to have you here. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through kind of how you got to where you are. And I think you took kind of a non-traditional route. And I think we'll explore that a little deeper. And and I think we'll find some interesting points for our listeners tonight. So first things first, where did Shannon Oldfield grow up? Well, Rob, I, I grew up in a small town just outside of Lexington, Kentucky, called Winchester, Kentucky. Just uh, straight down I-75 and 64 East, you'll find yourself in Winchester, and was fortunate enough to make that my hometown up until about the age 18. So I spent uh, my my early years in Winchester, growing up in a small rural community like uh, like Winchester or Clark County. You find yourself at a very young age learning about what work is all about. Yeah, I can imagine. So where were you in the family dynamic? You have brothers and sisters. Were you an only child? So I grew up as an only child. Okay. My parents actually divorced when I was uh, nine years old. So, you know, at times life would have been a little difficult for me, but I think, you know, and and certainly my parents, you know, with the responsibilities that they had and the work and and life balance and things, they did, you know, a terrific job, you know, raising me. I cannot thank them enough. And I was fortunate enough that uh, both of them remarried and had two outstanding step parents as well that really, uh, helped mentor me over the years. So I'm appreciative for that time, as I mentioned early on in, in Winchester. And I think that was really the basis for understanding what hard work was all about. And I think that, you know, looking back at my career, and certainly I've uh, been fortunate to be with the airport for a number of years, but, you know, really starting off with, you know, that foundation of understanding what hard work is all about and being on time and, you know, listening to, you know, whomever that your supervisor or your boss, let's call it what it is. Back in the day, that's what you referred to as Mr. or Mrs. And you did what they asked. Yeah, that's some different growing up. So let's go back to that youth. High school, where'd you go to high school at? So I went to, went to high school in, in Winchester, uh, George Rogers Clark High School. Okay, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Now, during high school, were you sports? Were you work? Were you a combination of both? I mean, what'd you do? Uh, so if I could prioritize... What I did in high school, it was probably sports, girls, goofing off, work, and then maybe school came last. So school was not a big priority for me when I was in high school. 
But, you know, I, I will say this. I had a lot of fun, played multiple sports in high school, really loved soccer, loved baseball, you know, was fortunate enough to participate in my high school soccer team and, mm-hmm. and the program there and uh, just really enjoyed it. Great sport, kept me in shape, kept me busy, uh, but I still like to socialize as well and, and, and found myself uh, trying to be the center of most uh, most get-togethers in Winchester. So you mentioned you also worked during that time. What did you do? So I, I worked, I did a farm work uh, that was prevalent, a lot of opportunity there to uh, work on local farms. My family did not farm, but you know, you, you drive five minutes outside of Winchester and you're going to find yourself on someone's farm and they're always willing to have you help. Also work fast food. You know, I think that was the rite of passage when you're 15, 16 years old to start off in the fast food industry somehow, some way. And I worked at the small fast food restaurant called Druthers. I don't even know if people will even know what Druthers is, but can't place that one. It, it was the, uh, the, you know, I think the former instead of the, you know, what we have today is called Burger King. Okay, we used to have a Burger Queen that evolved into Druthers. So I'm taking you way back to the wow, mid '80s. That's a lot of uh, uh, facts there, <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, I certainly, uh, you know, worked worked at, as I mentioned, fast food and a couple other jobs there in Winchester. You know, in between sport act sporting activities and in between social events. And then also, by the way, there was school at times. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a pretty full slate and I assume that carried into college. Where did you go? Yeah, it did. I went to the University of Kentucky, you know, growing up in Winchester, you know, obviously, you know, you're a sports fan and you're a Kentucky fan or you're not a sports fan. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty simple for me being a half hour away from, from Lexington, following UK sports, just enjoyed going to Lexington, spent a lot of time in Lexington and just found myself really wanting to go to the University of Kentucky. And, uh, you know, starting off, it was, it, was, it was a little rough, you know, coming from, you know, the high school environment that I had there in, in Winchester and not really taking academics as seriously as I should have. Mm-hmm. You know, I found out real quick that that's not going to fly and you're not going to be successful at the college level unless you apply yourself. Okay. So after about uh, two years of um, not really applying myself, you know, I found myself in a position to say, either I'm going to continue with school and buckle down, or I'm going to find a job. And so I I chose to buckle down and I'm glad that I did. I finished up school and and had a a pretty decent GPA uh, with my undergrad and my bachelor's degree at UK. I look back on it, I could have done a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, all of us, you know, at times we're, we're, we're young and, and probably made some mistakes and, and things along the way that you, we regret. Yeah, but you had that fork in the road. And I think that's important to look at. You could have went north or south. Uh, you could have just went out and hit the workforce. And that's right for some people. But what was right for you was to continue that education and do it right. And so you did your best. You got out of school. Were there girls involved at this point? Did you have a steady girlfriend at this point? Or was it just school and then out and into the workforce? No, actually, I met uh, uh, met my ex-wife in my second year uh, at UK. And she was uh, very much, you know, a person that took school and academics extremely seriously and always made terrific grades. And so, you know, I found myself picking up some of the habits from her and, and really helped me, you know, finish out my time at UK on a good path. Okay. Uh, you know, you kind of gravitate and you find yourself with folks and you, you want to be a little bit like what they are and you take things seriously like they do. 
And at the time, you know, I think it was right for me. And I'm, I'm glad that I did that. Now, during your time there, did you co-op? I didn't co-op per se. Now, I was fortunate enough that, you know, as I mentioned, my parents were divorced at a young age. My father and my stepmother moved from Winchester to Florence, Kentucky Mm -hmm. in 1989. And uh, in 1992, you know, basically looking for a job in the summer between semesters at UK, I uh, found myself moving to Florence and applied at the airport. Okay. So uh, I started working at the airport when I was 20 years old, worked in the summer in the field maintenance department, which, you know, they take care of all of the the airport grounds, the airfield, the pavement, and uh, was good work. Uh, worked Monday through Friday, 7 to 3.30, and, you know, got paid decent. And, you know, having your weekends and your evenings off when you're 20 years old was was cool as can be. So, yeah. you know, I had a good job, and at the time, you know, I had a, I had a steady girlfriend. I finally buckled down with school, and, and things just really came together. And I, I was uh, fortunate enough to finish up my time at UK. And then worked at the airport every summer until I graduated. So you're back in having a school schedule. Did you have any other involvement at UK? I did. I, I rushed a fraternity in the spring semester of my freshman year and was fortunate enough to uh, become an active in that fraternity. I met a whole slew of friends. You know, some of those friends I'm still good friends with today. Mm-hmm. You tend to, you know, find those people that you know, early on in life that uh, had the same philosophies and ideals and, you know, had the same kind of upbringing and whatnot. You, you tend to, 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 to find yourself with those folks for much of your college career. So, you know, going back to the fraternity, uh, I spent uh, four years as a part of this fraternity, held leadership positions. And I think that early on, just understanding, as I mentioned earlier, the work ethic and now moving into decision-making time in college, carrying a leadership position, you know, in a fraternity that, you know, you're an adolescent yes, responsible for other adolescents. And sometimes uh, judgment is, uh, is not uh, considered as much as it probably should be. So overall, when you, when you're in a position like that, you, you have to find yourself trying to make the right decision and trying to be a leader, even at a young age. So you've got a full agenda. You've got the fraternity. You've got some extracurricular activities. You're working. You've got school. At some point, you get all this together. You buckle down. You graduate. What did you major in? So I graduated with my um, undergrad degree from UK in environmental science. Okay. And, um, you know, I finished up and immediately went back to the airport. And, and of course, you know, they... uh, they brought me back and, and allowed me to continue working as what I was considered then as part-time, even though I worked 40 hours a week, was not considered a full-time employee. Was this after you graduated? This as well? was after I graduated. Okay, so did you look at other alternatives or other uh, uh, potential offers out there? Or so I, I really I really didn't have any other offers. I applied at several uh, different organizations. You know, at the time uh, I was engaged and my fiance at the time and I really wanted to try to uh, locate in Lexington, both really liked the environment in Lexington and just really wasn't in the cards. Mm. So not having a job and then having a part-time job, even at the airport, it's pretty simple to figure that out. I decided that, okay, I need to uh, work part-time. And fortunate enough for me is, as I stayed with the airport through that year, which was 1995 up until the end of the year, and uh, then they offered me a full-time position 
immediately thereafter, and I started in February of 1996 with so, the airport. So you've been with the airport a while. What what did you do in your first role? So my very first role with the airport, I was hired in as a groundskeeper, and we took care of the basically the land side, the front entrance of the airport. So you know the mowing, the mulching, uh, planting flowers, you know taking care of snow removal and whatnot in the uh, in the winter time emptying trash cans. I mean, you, you find yourself working in an airport, you're going to do just about anything to keep that organization and that business moving. And so working in the maintenance departments, you know, kind of going back to, I mentioned earlier about, um, you know, just understanding the value of hard work. I think that's what helped me excel early on at the airport is, you know, showing up, being there on time, signing up for overtime shifts and, and really accepting every job that they give you with a smile on your face yep. and trying to complete that work as, as best as you can really so, helped. So, really so helped back, what drove you at this point? And I know we have to reach way back to your, your early formative years in the career, mm-hmm. but you're offered a job that really is pretty difficult and you just came out of college yet you're still grasping for other assignments, trying to get that over time. What was your driving force at that point? You know, like, it, What kept you going in that role? It was probably just the fact and the aspect that I had just gotten married. So I started the airport in February of 96. I got married in April of 96. And, you know, you want to have some sort of stability in your life. And so, you know, Starting off the airport, as your point, you know, four-year bachelor's degree, making $9.31 an hour starting off. And, you know, that humbles you really quick to understand that, you know, you spent a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money pursuing an education, and things just didn't quite work out like that you may have thought. And, but you found yourself working for a good organization you're not making great money. The The work is hard work, but it's decent work. But I think back to your question of just ensuring that I had some stable, you know, atmosphere about me when, especially as I just got married, just bought a house, wanted just to kind of get my feet off the ground and, and then see what else is available. I really didn't have any interest in staying at the airport. Okay. Honestly, that was, you know, something that you know, was not even in my field, but even in close. And really just, um, you know, after about a time of three or four years, just decided that, you know, this airport business isn't all bad. And what other opportunities may exist if I make this my career? So So at that point, are you still doing the the same role you hired in that? So I started off in, in 1996, working in the grounds department. I transferred over to airfield maintenance which is the department where I spent the majority of my time back when I was, uh, you know, a summer intern and uh, worked in that department through really 2010. So I spent quite a bit of the time that, um, you know, most of my first half of my career at the airport in airfield maintenance and, you know, was fortunate enough to accept different roles was hired into a leadership role starting off in, as a as a shift lead in 2003. And, you, you know, you learn real quick when you're a, a fairly young person working in an environment like that. You know, there was some guys that's been around there for quite some time. And now all of a sudden you find yourself as the newbie 
telling some of these older guys, you know, what they're going to be doing each day can be challenging, particularly as a new leader. But looking back on that, that's how you learn. I mean, you learn how to get along with people. You learn how to lead people. You learn how to manage different situations and manage a workforce that may not always be your star. And at the end of the day, you still have work to do. You still have accomplishments and things that you've got to complete day in and day out. So in that role, did you make mistakes? Made mistakes all the time. See, and I think that's an important point. You know, you can't be afraid to make mistakes. And often those are our greatest teaching moments. So it's how you recover from those. So I think that's an important point for all the listeners out there. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because every one of us make them. And sometimes failing fast is the quicker way to the top. I didn't want to touch on that. No, I agree. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that I had a mentor in my time there at uh, Airfield Maintenance, a gentleman that uh, I still talk to today, still admire. He retired. I actually um, was fortunate enough to take his position when he retired. And really just I learned a lot from him. And I didn't even realize it mm-hmm. on how he treated people, how he prioritized work, how he really embraced, you know, ensuring that we did things safely as a team and cared about his employees as well. No, I think those are admirable traits. And, and it's honestly interesting how we absorb things without the intent of absorbing them. Right, absolutely. Know, influence another means. So important point. So you had a mentor, you got into a, your first leadership role. You've started to learn how to manage. What happened from there? Well, I, you know, I took advantage of, you know, an educational opportunity at the airport, actually a couple of them. Back when I first hired in at the airport, they had a tuition reimbursement program and having a bachelor's degree, you know, was great, but it, it really didn't focus in on anything to do with airport management. Okay. Anything to do with aviation. So Northern Kentucky University had a an actually an associates program that was called aviation administration. And the airport and Northern partnered together. The airport provided classroom space. And as I mentioned, they also offered tuition reimbursement for employees up to 80%. So I looked into this uh, associates degree and I mean, really I was close. I only needed four or five classes and I thought, heck, you know, I, I should be able to do that in the evenings and it, it really wasn't going to be costly for me to do so. So I took advantage of that, uh, finished up with, a, you know, an aviation administration degree. And that really created the basis for me to understand how airports work, really, you know, how they make money, the importance of air transportation. And just generally speaking, gave me a lot of just background and knowledge about the industry. So did it help you advance your career or just help solidify the position you were in? I think it helped solidify the position that I was in. You know, I, I think just having a bachelor's degree, working in an environment, very blue collar, not many degrees, if at all, were, were you know prevalent back then and still today. So I think that allowed me to move up the ranks fairly quickly. But having a, you know, a basis and an understanding of of airports also allowed me to very quickly make some good business decisions and understand, you know, the business even better. So I continued on that path. I was promoted from lead to assistant supervisor to supervisor of airfield maintenance at at a fairly young age. 
you know, I think that uh, promotion occurred in 2005, 2007, actually. And, you know, at that time, you know, 35 years old, managing a department that uh, was responsible for our, the off, you know, all the airfield compliance, you know, a great deal of emphasis on safety and ensuring that, you know, everything was done to a certain standard, a lot of responsibility. Yes. So I was fortunate enough once again that uh, I took advantage of an, another educational opportunity. The airport partnered with an aeronautical school, Embry-Riddle University. And in the airport world, airline world, Embry-Riddle is a, is a very prominent university. Mm-hmm. Their, their home campus is in Daytona Beach, Florida. But at the time, there was also another uh, satellite office in Sharonville, Ohio. So once again, the airport partnered with Embry-Riddle, provided classroom space. And so I pursued my, my master's of business administration in uh, air transportation management. So that really, that MBA with a focus in airports really allowed me to you know, you know, succeed. Yeah, so you've got a complete resume at this point. At this point, you know, things were going very well for me. As I mentioned, I became a department head at a fairly young age. Also, too, the stars just kind of aligned with the leadership was starting to retire, and we had some turnover in some of the administrative and the executive roles. And it just allowed me to move on up into a director position. And, And so you even had kids during this period. Did I've got three kids. So, I mean, you had to have excellent time management skills because you're pursuing education. You're working a full-time plus job, I'm sure, at this point. You've got kids now. You've got a family to take care of. I mean, I've always looked at you as like a very disciplined and structured person. And, and now I see why you had so much on your plate. Yeah, you know, and, and it, uh, you know, I haven't talked about the kids. I've got, you know, three kids that are, are very successful and extremely proud of them. You know, they were born in a, in a very short period of time. So from my oldest to the youngest, there's about 38 months <laughs> difference uh, between three kids. Yes. So the oldest, uh, my son, Cole. 16 and a half months later, my next oldest, my oldest daughter, Megan, was born. And then about 22 months after that, the youngest, Haley, was born. So three kids in a short amount of time. But to your point, you know, Cole was born in 98, Megan in 99, and and Haley in 2001. So, you know, trying to find time for additional education and work and all of their activities was challenging. And, And the best time to do that is after they go to bed. That's right. <laughs> so so you, you lived a fast life during those waking hours. I did. So. I did. I did. All right. So you got into this director role. Mm-hmm. Kids are a little older now. Everything seems to be pretty stable. What what happened next? So, you know, just continuing on that path, uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, I, I found myself in the, you know, a director's role at the airport, much different environment you know, I kid with some of the folks that I work with. I was promoted to director in 2010. And, you know, I like to talk about those years leading up to that where I used to work for a living. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'm, I evolved from the blue collar environment, you know, into much more of an administrative environment. And it was a difficult transition. Yep. You know, I'd worked for the better part of 18 years from being a, you know, an intern to a full time employee in a type of an environment. We worked outside, we worked in all elements, 
you know, snow removal was, you know, a, a big priority for us during the winter time. And now you are actually moving into a role where you're leading those departments. You're not actively working in those departments. And it, it was a transition. It was, it was, it was difficult early so you on. you take a tactical approach and now you're in a strategic role. Very much a strategic role. Was that hard to transition? It, it was I extremely mean, hard. Okay. For me, it was extremely hard. Just because I, you know, I love the work, you know, I loved working in airfield maintenance. I love the people, you know, good group of guys and gals, hardworking. And now you move into a role where you don't see them day in and day out. You know, you're in a much different position to where you're managing budgets and you're managing multiple departments and you're setting, you know, more of the strategic initiative and strategic plans of the airport and carrying those down to those departments from executive leadership. So very much a transition that I, I learned. And I, I think sometimes I learned the hard way, mm-hmm. but you know, you, you learn yep. and, and that's, what's most important. So I, you know, I held the director's role for several years and was promoted into a vice president role, which, you know, is another step on the ladder and it's still involved operations and maintenance where that was the core. That's where I learned. That's where I grew up. But each time that you move up the ladder, you know, expectations change, you know, how you're looked at in the organization. When you are at work, that's one thing. But when you're off work, you're really never off work because people see you out in the community. They connect you with the airport and you just want to make sure that you're kind of mindful of that. Yeah, I think that's an important point because uh, you're identified as a representative of that employer and that doesn't go away. You very much so. You know, some of the things that, you know, I like to do in in my free time we haven't talked about is uh, I coach high school baseball. Uh I still coach, uh, coach at a local high school just right over in Erlanger, Kentucky. I'm the JV baseball coach, which works out perfectly because You know, the gentleman that runs the entire organization at the varsity level, he spends a tremendous amount of time and I just can't do it. Yeah. But it does allow me to, you know, spend time. I love the sport. You know, I love being around young people. I I love teaching the game of baseball and and leading, uh, you know, those those guys that, you know, from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, you can you can you can see a lot of a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of improvement. So that that's kind of where I like to spend my time when I'm not at work. You know, I love the outdoors, love to hunt, love to fish, boat, camping, just about anything, hiking, biking. I don't get a chance and don't do that as much as I used to. But those are the kinds of things that I like to do just to get me away from the airport. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes, you know, the best time you come back stronger, more refreshed when you do take that time away. So I think it's valuable to take time for yourself because that's what we're here for. You know, we have to balance that out. But you're at the airport. You've moved into this role. You've taken leadership roles. You're mentoring on the diamond. How about at work? Are you able to give back to that next generation of team members also at work? You know, I think that's that's incumbent upon all leaders is to help train, help mentor those individuals that are you know, interested, number one, and that have that kind of work ethic and that that type of involvement in any organization. But in this particular case with the airport, it's incumbent upon leaders to help them grow in the organization, to help them understand 
you know, what kind of path, what kind of education, what kind of roles and responsibilities can they take that maybe could help them be ready for that next opportunity? You know, my goal now is, is I want to try to ensure that, you know, the next line of leaders are all ready to move into my role when I retire. I'm going to be close to retiring here. I'm hopeful in the next five years. And, you know, my position now is, is to ensure that I am working daily to try to help individuals that are within my division grow into the next leadership opportunity as it exists. Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, there's one checkbox on a resume we can never really gauge, and that's character. But I think, you know, as you've walked through your career, that's the one thing you've really shown is that character to not only listen to those who have the experience, but also share what you've been given with that next generation, both in the workplace and outside of the workplace in in the baseball environment. So I think that's really important. And and for me, it's a little easier to see how you got to where you are because you're kind of the type of leader that I think most people either want to have in their future or aspire to be if they have that character box checked. So you're a VP. At some point, you moved to the C-suite. How was that? When was that? I mean, you know, that's kind of the pinnacle to a lot of people's careers. So, you know, Rob, I can tell you this. I can remember the exact day. Okay. June the 6th, 2019. Okay. So it was important. It, it very much was important. And, you know, it just in, in, in my career, as I look back, you know, there's, there's several things that surprised me. Yep. Generally speaking, I'm not a guy that can be surprised for the most part particularly working in an airport environment, you know, you see just about everything. But this particular case, you know, the first time I saw an aircraft that was in the grass, I'm like, okay, that's not supposed to be there. Right. That's a surprise. Mm-hmm. I can remember Y2K, you know, yes. you know, uh, you and I are I close in age. And then we remember the late nineties moving into the year 2000 and not exactly sure what the heck was going on. <laughs> So I can remember coming into work that that night, that, you know, last day of December and just waiting to see what was going to happen. Nothing happened. So that was a surprise. Obviously, you know, the airport industry and the nation was impacted on 9-11. Yes. I remember that day very well, vividly, you know, just almost like it was yesterday. And, you know, living and working at an airport for that next week, for that next month, a lot of the things that happened are still in place today with security. So that was something that was very eye-opening, if you will, and, and how that affected our industry. You know, obviously, uh, you know, I was very surprised to see the downturn of of Delta. Mm-hmm. You know, we were formerly a Delta hub, and you know, twenty two million passengers coming through the airport at once upon a time, and you know, just seeing that just almost metaphorically fall off a cliff was very surprising. And then, as I mentioned, June 6, 2019, I had no idea that, uh, you know, my former predecessor was going to leave the airport and I was offered the interim role by our CEO at the time and had no idea that this was coming. So after, you know, she and our HRVP at the time offered me the position. It took me just kind of a couple of minutes to figure out what the heck was going on mm-hmm. and, you know, to try to understand what I've, I've actually just been asked to do. 
So I accepted the role and was the interim COO until November of 2019 and then was made the permanent COO. And then I've been in that position ever since. Now, that's really exciting culmination of all the hard work you've put in, all the years you've dedicated to the airport. And, you know, this has been a growing phase. I mean, I can remember the airport years ago, and it's nowhere near the air traffic or the freight volume or the passenger volume going through there now as there was back then. No, and you're, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, how our airport has evolved is just awesome. And, you know, I've been very fortunate to work for a number of good leaders over the years. And uh, Candace McGraw, I cannot speak highly enough. She's been a terrific leader for the airport, for its people, and for me personally. Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot just by working directly for Candace now going on over three years and just seeing how she operates, you know, how well she, you know, portrays the airport community in our larger community, in our region, and how she's really instilled some initiatives and some strategy in all of us to evolve our business to what it is today. We have a, you know, extremely high cargo business that is just continuing to evolve with Amazon and with DHL. And a lot of our business, you know, has has grown and it's grown enormously over the last few years under Candace's watch. So I've been very fortunate to be a part of that. So it sounds like things have went very well career-wise, but I can tell you, you can't achieve that type of growth in both career and the business itself without a little bit of stress in there. So how do you manage that part of it? You know, I, I not well at times, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, unfortunately went through a, uh, a period of my life on the personal side that, you know, has affected me. And certainly my, my kids went through a divorce and I, I'm not going to say that that was attributed to airport or my career, but when you have a career like that and days don't go well, you know, that tends to take its toll on you personally. So, you know, looking back on a lot of the stress that came from work and particularly emergency type of situations such as winter operations or your garden variety, other events that happen at an airport, because everything is going to happen yes. in an airport eventually, you know, how you cope with those is extremely important for, you know, your well-being, but also, you know, your kids and the people that are close to you outside of that airport. And you've got to have a release. Yeah. You know, as I just mentioned, I, I love to coach baseball. I love to be outside in the, in the, in the outdoors. You know, I don't spend as much time out in the outdoors as I would like, but most recently I've met someone, you know, my fiance really likes to be outside and so we find ourselves taking walks or riding, you know, riding bikes. We both like to travel. So being, you know, fortunate enough to be at the airport for several years now, almost 30, I've got some good vacation time built up. Yeah, so sure. I get away and make plans to, to get away either on weekend trips or guy trips or vacations just so I can get that release. Okay. No, I think that's really good because that balance, like I said, we talked about it a little bit earlier. It makes you a better person when you come back. So appreciate you sharing that. The other thing I like to talk about is without with every career, there's ultimately maybe not regrets, but if we could peel back time, there might be things we do a little bit differently. Do you have any of those that stick out 
You know, when I think about my career at the airport, I really don't think I've got any regrets when I look back on it. Yeah. Now, in the throes of my career, you know, certainly early on, as I mentioned earlier, you know, finishing up a four-year degree at UK, starting off at a job, making nine thirty-one an hour, I thought, is this really what I'm, you know, destined for? You know, of course, you don't see it then. Right. Was I regretful? I think at times I thought, you know, that uh, maybe there was another path out there for me. But fortunate enough, I stuck with the airport, stuck with the opportunities that were presented to me. And and looking back on it now from my professional side of, of life, I don't feel like I have any regrets. You know, I, I think there's a couple of points that I really like about what our discussions covered. The fact that you didn't have all your education buttoned up before you made it to the workforce really helped you align what you wanted to do. And then when you knew what you wanted to do, you got the education that supported that. There's a lot of youth out there who don't know what they want to do and they get a degree and find out that's not exactly what they wanted to do. And so I I think that non-traditional path still holds a lot of value and people underestimate that. You know, I agree. And, you know, especially with with folks that are that are graduating now. Yes. Much different than, you know, when you and I were that age, you know, the career path is much different. You know, I was fortunate enough to, to come into an organization that had a pension system. Yes. You know, if you say pension system to, you know, a 22 year old coming out of college right now, they're they're going to ask you, what is that? That's like a youth hostel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're like, in Europe. I don't even know how that works. OK, so it, it, and they don't exist. Yeah. They don't exist like they used to. They used to. So for people coming out of, of college today, to your point. I think it's wise for for them to enter the workforce, to get involved and and certainly immerse themselves in whatever tract that they particularly like, learn about it, you know, try to find a mentor that's going to teach them about that. And then what other educational opportunities exist? And they've got to be willing to roll up their sleeves and understand that, you know, I'm not the CEO today. But I have, you know, hopes that someday maybe I'll get there, but they have to understand their steps along the way. Yeah. And, and certainly to your point of, you know, not all organizations are made equal. And, and if there are organizations out there that offer educational tracks, you know, I would recommend that, you know, young folks take that opportunity. Yep. Even if you take a class and, you know, you, you, you don't pursue a degree, but you learn more about the business that you're working in. Maybe that tells you, yes, I want to be a part of this. Maybe it tells you, no, that I don't. But it's all part of the educational process. No, I think that's a great summary. That's something I'd really like to close with is that right there. But I do want to touch on one other point. So we do host these podcasts in my basement. My basement does have a bar, and we're sitting in front of a lot of Kentucky's finest. So we have a, uh, a pretty good array of bourbon. And what I like to do is I like to ask the guests one question. If you could pick any bourbon up here and I allow them to survey, what would it be and then why? So, Shannon, pick a bourbon, please. Well, that that's an easy one, Rob. And as a former bourbon drinker, I typically don't drink bourbon anymore. But Blanton's was always, always okay. my go-to. You know, a quality bourbon, yep. it's in my mind, is not oversold. You know, they don't have grandiose bottles and marketing campaigns 
and in customary or complimentary bottles and things like that. They've got a very classy brand. It's not inexpensive. It's not uber expensive either, either, but it's priced in a range that you have to like bourbon to to want to buy Blanton's. But it's uh, it's perfect, just neat with a little ice, and uh, that would probably be my choice. And I can see that you have many. Okay, so I will uh, happily grab that one off the shelf. We will partake in that. But that's just kind of a celebration of being able to have you over here tonight, uh, allow you the opportunity to share your story, and really the, for the benefit of everyone else out there. It's it's really exciting to hear someone who's stuck with the company the entire time, went in a non-traditional way of getting their education, but still really made it to the pinnacle of their career, and both personally and professionally have been a true role model. So I really appreciate coming over today. Thank you for your time, and let's go have a drink. Rob, thank you. And I certainly appreciate your time and this opportunity. Okay. Thanks, Shannon.